Welcome to this new Uvula Audio Bookcast. I'm your narrator, Jim Campanella. Our new podcast will be of the book Sky Island. Sky Island was written as a sequel to The Sea Fairies by L. Frank Baum in 1912. Sea Fairies was written in 1911. He wrote it after he discovered how popular the characters of Trot and Captain Bill were to his reading public. His fans clamored for more, and this work is the result. The second novel concerns Trot and Captain Bill meeting the little boy Button Bright, who will be familiar to the readers of the Oz books, as he seems to be an ongoing character there. Button has a magical flying umbrella, which transports them all to an island in the sky, where they meet six snub-nosed princesses, discover the king's treasure chamber, meet Tourmaline the Poverty Queen, and continue to have mind-boggling adventures. And now, Sky Island. A little talk to my readers. With the Sea Fairies, my book for 1911, I ventured into a new field of fairy literature, and to my delight the book was received with much approval by my former readers, many of whom have written me that they like Trot almost as well as Dorothy. As Dorothy was an old, old friend, and Trot a new one, I think this very high praise for Captain Bill's little companion. Captain Bill is also a new character who seems to have won approval. And so Trot and the old sailor are again introduced in this present story, which may be called the second of the series of adventures of Trot and Captain Bill. But you will recognize some other acquaintances in Sky Island, here, for instance, is Button Bright, who once had an adventure with Dorothy and Oz. And without Button Bright and his magic umbrella, you will see that the story of Sky Island could never have been written. As Polychrome, the rainbow's daughter, lives in the sky, it is natural that Trot and Button Bright meet her during their adventures there. This story of Sky Island has astonished me considerably. I think it will also astonish you. The Sky Country is certainly a remarkable fairyland, but after reading about it, I'm sure you will agree with me that our old Mother Earth is a very good place to live upon, and that Trot and Button Bright and Captain Bill were fortunate to get back to it again. By the way, one of my little correspondents has suggested that I print my address in this book, so that children may know where letters will reach me, and tell me how they like Sky Island. My greatest treasures are these letters from my readers, and I'm always delighted to receive them. L. Frank Baum, 1912, Hollywood, California Chapter 1. A Mysterious Arrival Hello, said the boy. Hello, answered Trot, looking up in surprise. Where did you come from? Philadelphia, he said. Dear me, said Trot. But you're a long way from home, then. But as far as I can get in this country, the boy replied, gazing out over the water. Isn't that the Pacific Ocean? Of course. Why of course, he asked. Because it's the biggest lot of water in all the world. How do you know that? Captain Bill told me, she said. Who's Captain Bill? An old sailor man who's a friend of mine. He lives at my house, too. The White House you see over there on the bluff. Oh, is that your home? Yes, said Trot proudly. Isn't it pretty? Seems pretty small to me, answered the boy. Well, it's big enough for my mother and me and for Cap'n Bill, said Trot. Haven't you got any father? 
Yes, indeed. Captain Griffith is my father, but he's gone most of the time, sailing on his ship. You must be a stranger in these parts, little boy, not to know about Captain Griffith, she added, looking at her new acquaintance intently. Trot wasn't very big herself, but the boy was not quite as big as Trot. He was thin, with a rather pale complexion, and his blue eyes were round and earnest. He wore a shirt, a short jacket, and knickerbockers. Under his arm he held an old umbrella that was as tall as he was. Its covering had once been of thick brown cloth, but the color had faded to a dull drab, except in the creases, and Trot thought it looked very old-fashioned and common. The handle, though, was really curious. It was of wood, and carved to resemble an elephant's head. The long trunk of the elephant was curved to make a crook for the handle. The eyes of the beast were small red stones, and it had two tiny tusks of ivory. The boy's dress was rich and expensive, even to his fine silk stockings and tan shoes, but the umbrella looked old and disreputable. It's not the rainy season now, remarked Trot with a smile. The boy glanced at his umbrella and hugged it tighter. No, he said, but umbrellas are good for other things besides rain. What, are you afraid of getting sunstruck? asked Trot. He shook his head, still gazing far out over the water. I don't believe this is any bigger than any other ocean, he said. I can't see any more of it than I can of the Atlantic. You'd find out if you had to sail across it, she declared. When I was in Chicago, I saw Lake Michigan, he went on dreamily. And it looked just as big as this water does. Looks don't count with oceans, she asserted. Your eyes can only see just so far, whether you're looking at a pond or at a big sea. Well, then it doesn't make any difference how big the ocean is, he replied. What are those buildings over there? He pointed to the right along the shore of the bay. That's the town. Most of the people earn their living by fishing. The town is half a mile from here, and my house is almost half a mile the other way, so it's about a mile from my house to the town. The boy sat down beside her on a flat rock. Do you like girls? asked Trot, making room for him. Not very well, the boy replied. Some of them are pretty good fellows, but not many. The girls with brothers are bossy, and the girls without brothers haven't any go to them. But the world's full of both kinds, and so I try to take them as they come. They can't help being girls, of course. Do you like boys? When they don't put on airs or get rough house, replied Trot. My experience with boys is that they don't know much, but they think they do. That's true, he answered. I don't like boys much better than I do girls, but some are all right, and you seem to be one of them. Much obliged, laughed Trot. You aren't so bad either, and if we don't both turn out worse than we seem, we ought to be friends. He nodded rather absently and tossed a pebble into the water. Been to town? he asked. Yeah. Mother wanted some yarn from the store. She's knitting Cap'n Bill a stocking. Doesn't he wear but one? That's all. Cap'n Bill has a wooden leg, she explained. That's why he don't sailor much any more. I'm glad of it because Cap'n Bill knows everything. I suppose he knows more than anybody else in all the world. Well said the boy. That's taking a good deal for granted. A one-legged sailor can't know much. Why not? 
asked Trot a little indignantly. Folks don't learn things with their legs, now do they? Well, no, but they can't get around without legs to find things out. Well, Cap'n Bill got around lively enough once when he had two meat legs, she said. He sailed to most every country on Earth and found out all that the people in him knew, and a lot more besides. He was shipwrecked on a desert island once, and another time a cannibal king tried to boil him for dinner. And one day a shark chased him seven leagues through the water, and... What's a league? asked the boy. It's, um, a distance, like a mile. But a league isn't a mile, you know. What is it, then? Well, you'll have to ask Captain Bill. He knows everything. Not everything, objected the boy. I know some things that Captain Bill don't know. Well, then, if you do, you're pretty smart, said Trot. No, I'm not smart. Some folks think I'm pretty stupid. I guess I am. But I know a few things that are wonderful. Captain Bill may know more than I do. Probably a lot more, but I'm sure he can't know the same things. Say, what's your name? I'm Mary Griffith, but everybody calls me Trot. It's a nickname I got when I was a baby because I trotted so fast when I walked, and it seemed to stick. What's your name? Button Bright. How did it happen? How did what happen? How did you get such a funny name? The boy scowled a little. Just like your nickname happened, he answered gloomily. My father once said I was bright as a button, and it made everybody laugh, so they always call me Button Bright. Well... What's your real name? she inquired. Saladin Paracelsus the Labyrinthine Yvonne von Smythe. I guess I'll call you Button Bright, said Trot, sighing. The only other thing would be salad, and I don't like salads. Don't you find it hard work to remember all your name? I don't try to, he said. There's a lot more of it, but I've forgotten the rest. Oh, here comes Captain Bill she said as she glanced over her shoulder. Button Bright turned also and looked solemnly at the old sailor who came stumping along the path toward them. Captain Bill wasn't a very handsome man. He was old, not very tall, somewhat stout and chubby, with a round face, a bald head, and a scraggly fringe of reddish whisker underneath his chin. But his blue eyes were frank and merry and his smile like a ray of sunshine. He wore a sailor shirt with a broad collar, a short pea jacket, and wide-bottomed sailor trousers, one leg of which covered his wooden limb, but did not hide it. As he came pegging along the path, as he himself described his hobbling walk, his hands were pushed into his coat pockets, a pipe was in his mouth, and his black neck scarf was fluttering behind him in the breeze like a sable banner. Button Bright liked the sailor's looks. There was something very winning, something jolly and carefree and honest and sociable about the ancient seaman that made him everybody's friend. So the strange boy was glad to meet him. Well, well, Trot, he said coming up. Is this the way you hurry to town? No, I'm on my way back, she said. I did hurry when I was going, Captain Bill, but on my way home I sat down here to rest and watch the gulls. The gulls seem awful busy today, Captain Bill. And, well, then I found this boy. Captain Bill looked at the boy curiously. Don't ever think I ever saw him in the village before, he remarked. Yes, as you're a stranger, my lad. Button Bright nodded. 
Hate walked the nine mile from the railroad station, have ya? asked Captain Bill. No, said Button Bright. The sailor glanced around. Don't see no wagon, nor any automobile, he added. No, said Button Bright. Catch a ride with someone, then. Button Bright shook his head. A boat can't land here. The rocks is too thick and too sharp, continued Captain Bill, peering down toward the foot of the bluff on which they sat, and against which the waves broke into foam. No, I didn't come by water, Trot laughed. He must have dropped from the sky, Captain Bill, she exclaimed. Button Bright nodded very seriously. Yes, that's it, he said. Oh, an airship, then, cried Captain Bill in surprise. I've heard tell of them sky carriages, something like flying automobiles, ain't they? I don't know. I've never seen one, said Button Bright. Both Trot and Captain Bill now looked at the boy in astonishment. Well, now, let me think here a minute, said the sailor reflectively. Here's a riddle for us to guess, Trot. He dropped from the sky, he says, and yet he didn't come in an airship. Riddle come, riddle come re. What can the answer be? Trot looked over the boy carefully. She didn't see any wings. The only queer thing about him was his big umbrella. Oh! She said suddenly, clapping her hands together. I know now. Do yer? asked Captain Bill doubtfully. Then you're smarter than me, mate. He sailed down with the umbrella. He he used his uh, umbrella as a, a a para a para. Shoot, said Captain Bill. They're called parachutes, mate. But why I can't say. Did you drop down in that way, my lad? He asked the boy. Yes said Button Bright. That was the way. But how did you get up there? asked Trot. You had to get up in the air before you could come down and... Oh, Captain Bill, he says he's from Philadelphia. That's a big city, way on the other side of America. Are ya? asked the sailor, surprised. Button Bright nodded again. I ought to tell you my story, he said. Then you'll understand. I'm afraid you won't believe me, though, and... He suddenly broke off and looked toward the white house in the distance. "'Didn't you say you lived over there?' he inquired. "'Yeah,' said Trot. "'Won't you come home with us?' "'I'd like to,' replied Button Bright. "'All right, let's go, then,' said the girl, jumping up. The three walked silently along the path. The old sailor man had refilled his pipe and lit it again, and he smoked thoughtfully as he pegged along beside the children. "'Do you know when he went around here?' He asked Button Bright. No one but you two, said the boy, following after Trot, with his umbrella tucked carefully underneath his arm. And you don't know us very well, remarked Captain Bill. Seems to me you're pretty young to be traveling so far from home and among strangers, but I won't say anything more till I've heard your story. Then, if you need my advice or Trot's advice, she's a wise girl for her size, Trot is. We'll freely give it to you and be glad to help you. Thank you, replied Button Bright. I need a lot of things, I'm sure, and perhaps advice is one of them. Chapter 2 The Magic Umbrella When they reached the neat frame cottage, which stood on a high bluff a little back from the sea and was covered with pretty green vines, a woman came to the door to meet them. She seemed motherly and good, and when she saw Button Bright, she exclaimed, Goodness me! Who's this you've got with you, Trot? 
It's a boy I just found, explained the girl. He lives way off in Philadelphia. Mercy sakes alive, cried Mrs. Griffith, looking into his upturned face. I don't believe he's had a bite to eat since he started. Ain't you hungry, child? Yes, said Button Bright. Run, Trot, and get two slices of bread and butter, commanded Mrs. Griffith. Cut em thick, dear, and use plenty of butter. Sugar on em, ma'am? asked Trot, turning to obey. No, said Button Bright. Just bread and butter's good enough when you're hungry, and it takes time to spread sugar on. We'll have supper in an hour, observed Trot's mother briskly. But a hungry child can't wait a whole hour, I'm sure. What are you grinning at, Cap'n Bill? How dare you laugh when I'm talking? You stop that this minute, you old pirate, or I'll know the reason why. I didn't, Mum," said Cap'n Bill meekly. I only— Stop right there, sir. How dare you speak when I'm talking? She turned a button bright, and her tone changed to one of much gentleness as she said, Come in the house, my dear boy, and rest yourself. You seem tired out. Here, give me that clumsy umbrella. Uh, no, please, said Button Bright, holding onto the umbrella tighter. We'll just put it on the rack behind the door, she urged. The boy seemed a little frightened. I'd rather keep it with me, um, if if you please, he pleaded. Never mind, Cap'n Bill ventured to say. It won't worry him so much to hold the umbrella, Mum, as to let it go. Guess he's afraid he'll lose it. And it ain't any great shakes, to my notion. See here, Button Bright, we've got half a dozen umbrellas in the closet that are better than yours. Perhaps, said the boy, yours may look a heap lot better, but, sir... I'll keep this one, if you please. Where'd you get it? asked Trot, appearing just then with a plate of bread and butter. It it belongs in our family, said Button Bright, beginning to eat and speaking between bites. This, this umbrella has been in our family for years and years and years, but it was tucked away up in our attic and no one ever used it because it wasn't pretty. Don't blame him much, remarked Captain Bill, gazing at it curiously. It's a pretty old-looking bumber shoot. They were all seated in the vine-shaded porch of the cottage, all but Mrs. Griffith, who had gone into the kitchen to look after supper, and Trot was on one side of the boy, holding the plate for him, while Captain Bill sat on the other side. It, it is old, said Button Bright. One of my great-great-grandfathers was a knight, an Arabian knight, and it was he who first found this umbrella. Wait. An Arabian night? exclaimed Trot. Why, that was a magic night, then, wasn't it? That's a different sort of night, mate, said the sailor. And the night Button Bright means ain't the same night you mean. Soldiers used to be called knights, but that were in the Dark Ages. I guess, and likely enough, Button Bright's great-grandfather were that sort of knight. But he said an Arabian night, persisted Trot. Well, if he went to Araby or was born there, he'd be an Arabian knight now, wouldn't he? The lad's grandfather were probably a furriner, and yours and mine were too, Trot, if you go back far enough. For America wasn't discovered in them days. There, said Trot triumphantly. Didn't I tell you, Button Bright, that Cap'n Bill knows everything? Well, he knows a lot, I expect, soberly answered the boy, finishing the last slice of bread and butter and then looked at the empty plate with a sigh. But if he really knows everything, 
Then he knows about the magic umbrella, so I won't have to tell you anything about it. Magic? cried Trot, with big eager eyes. Did you say magic umbrella, Button Bright? Yep, I said magic. But none of our family knew it was a magic umbrella until I found it out myself. You're the first people I've told the secret to, he added, glancing into their faces rather uneasily. Glory me! exclaimed the girl, clapping her hands in ecstasy. It must be just elegant to have a magic umbrella. Captain Bill coughed. He had a way of coughing when he was suspicious. Magic, he observed gravely, was once lying round loose in the world. Thought was in the dark ages, I guess, when the magic Arabian nights was. But the light of civilization has scared it away long ago, and magic's been lost art since long before you and I was born, Trot. I know the fairies still live, said Trot reflectively. She didn't like to contradict Captain Bill, who knew everything. So do I, added Button Bright, and I know where magic still is in the world, or my umbrella, anyhow. Tell us about it, begged the girl excitedly. Well, said the boy, I found it all out by accident. It rained in Philadelphia for three whole days, and all the umbrellas in our house were carried out by the family and lost or mislaid or something so that when i wanted to go to uncle bob's house which is in germantown there wasn't an umbrella to be found anywhere my governess wouldn't let me go out without one and wait said trot do you have a governess yeah but i don't like her she's cross she said i couldn't go to uncle bob's because i had no umbrella instead she told me to go up in the attic and play I was sorry about that, but I went up in the attic, and pretty soon I found in a corner this old umbrella. I didn't care how it looked. It was whole and strong and big, and it would keep me from getting wet on the way to Uncle Bob's. So I started off for the car, but I found the streets awfully muddy, and once I stepped in a mud hole way up to my ankle. Gee, I said, I wish I could fly through the air to Uncle Bob's. I was holding up the open umbrella when I said that, and as soon as I spoke, the umbrella began lifting me into the air. I was awful scared at first, but I held on tight to the handle, and it didn't pull very much either. I was going pretty fast, for when I looked down, all the big buildings were sliding past me so swift that it made me dizzy. And before I really knew what had happened, the umbrella settled down and stood me on my feet at Uncle Bob's front gate. Well, I didn't tell anybody about the wonderful thing that happened, because I thought no one would believe me. Uncle Bob looked sharp at the thing and said, Button Bright, how did your father happen to let you take that umbrella? He didn't, I said. Father was away at the office, so I found it in the attic and just took it. Then Uncle Bob shook his head and said, I ought to leave it alone. He said it was a family relic that had been handed down from father to son for many generations. But I told him my father had never handed it down to me, though I'm his son. Uncle Bob said our family always believed it brought him good luck to own the umbrella. He couldn't say why, not knowing its early history, but he was afraid if I lost the umbrella, bad luck would happen to us. So he made me go right home to put it back where I got it. I was sorry Uncle Bob was so cross, and I didn't want to go home yet, where the governess was crosser than he was. I wonder why folks get cross when it rains. Well, by that time it had stopped raining, for a while anyhow, 
and Uncle Bob told me to go straight home and put the umbrella in the attic and never touch it again. When I was around the corner, I thought I'd see if I could fly as I had before. I'd heard a buffalo, but I didn't know where it was, so I said to the umbrella, Take me to Buffalo. Well, up in the air I went, and just as soon as I said it, the umbrella sailed so fast that I felt as if I was in a gale wind. It was a long, long trip, and I got awful tired holding on to the handle, but just as I thought I'd have to let go, I began to drop down slowly and found myself in the streets of a big city. I put down the umbrella and asked a man what the name of the city was, and he told me it was Buffalo. How wonderful, gasped Trot. Captain Bill kept on smoking and said nothing. It was magic, I'm sure, said Button Bright. It surely couldn't have been anything else. Perhaps, suggested Trot, the umbrella can do other magic things. Nah, said the boy. I've tried. When I landed in Buffalo, I was hot and thirsty. I had ten cents car fare, but I was afraid to spend it. So I held up the umbrella and wished I had an ice cream soda. I didn't get one. Then I wished for a nickel to buy an ice cream soda with. I didn't get that either. I got frightened and was afraid the umbrella didn't have any magic left. So to try it, I said, take me to Chicago. Now, I didn't want to go to Chicago, but that was the first place I thought of. So I said it. Up again I flew, swifter than a bird, and I soon saw this was going to be another long journey. So I called out to the umbrella, Never mind, stop. I guess I won't go to Chicago. I've changed my mind. I want to go home again. But the umbrella wouldn't. It kept right on flying, and I shut my eyes and held on. At last, I landed in Chicago, and then I was in a pretty fix. It was nearly dark, and I was too tired and hungry to make the trip home again. I knew I'd get an awful scolding, too, for running away and taking the family luck with me, so I thought that as long as I was in for it, I'd better see a good deal of the country while I had the chance. I wouldn't be allowed to come away again, you know. No, you wouldn't, said Trot. I bought some buns and milk with my ten cents, and then I walked around the streets of Chicago for a time, and afterwards slept on a bench in one of the parks. In the morning, I tried to get the umbrella to give me a magic breakfast, but it wouldn't do anything but fly. I went to a house and asked a woman for something to eat, and she gave me all I wanted and advised me to go straight home before my mother worried about me. She didn't know I lived in Philadelphia. That was this morning. This morning, exclaimed Captain Bill. Why, lad, it takes three or four days for the railroad trains to get across to this coast from Chicago. I know, replied Button Bright, but I didn't come on a railroad train. This umbrella goes faster than any train ever did. This morning I flew from Chicago to Denver, but no one there would give me any lunch. A policeman said he'd put me in jail if he caught me begging. So I got away and told the umbrella to take me to the Pacific Coast. When I stopped, I landed over there by the big rock. I shut up the umbrella and saw a girl sitting on the rock, so I went up and spoke to her. And that's all. Goodness me, said Trot. If this isn't a fairy story, I've never heard one. It is a fairy story, agreed Button Bright. Anyhow, it's a magic story, and the funny part of it is, it's true. I hope you believe me, but I don't know as I believe it myself. If it hadn't been me that it happened to... Well, I believe every word of it, declared Trot earnestly. As for me, 
said Captain Bill slowly. I'm going to believe it, too. By the by, when I've seen the umbrella fly once. Well, you'll see me fly away with it, asserted the boy. But at present, it's pretty late in the day, and Philadelphia is a good way off. Do you suppose Trot, your mother, would let me stay here the night? Of course she would, answered Trot. We've got an extra room with a nice bed in it, and we'd love to have you stay as long as you want. Wouldn't we, Captain Bill? Right you are, mate, replied the old man, nodding his bald head. Whether the umbrella is magic or not, Button Bright is welcome. Mrs. Griffith came out soon afterwards and seconded the invitation, so the boy felt quite at home in the little cottage. It was not long before supper was on the table, and in spite of all the bread and butter he had eaten, Button Bright had a fine appetite for the good things Trot's mother had cooked. Mrs. Griffith was very kind to children, but not quite so agreeable toward poor Captain Bill. When the old sailor man at one time spilled some tea on the tablecloth, Trot's mother flew angry and gave the culprit such a tongue-lashing that Button Bright was sorry for him. But Captain Bill was meek and made no reply. "'He's used to it, you know,' whispered Trot to her new friend, and indeed, Captain Bill took it all cheerfully and never seemed to mind it a bit. Then it came Trot's turn to get a scolding. When she opened the parcel she had bought at the village, it was found she had selected the wrong color of yarn, and Mrs. Griffith was so provoked that Trot's scolding was almost as severe as that of Captain Bill. Tears came to the little girl's eyes, and to comfort her, the boy promised to take her to the village next morning with his magic umbrella, so that she could exchange the yarn for the right color. Trot quickly brightened at this promise, although Captain Bill looked grave and shook his head solemnly. When supper was over and Trot had helped with the dishes, she joined Button Bright and the sailor man in the little porch again. Dusk had fallen and the moon was just rising. They all sat in silence for time and watched the silver trail that topped the crest of the waves far out to sea. "'Oh, Button Bright!' cried the little girl presently. "'I'm so glad you're going to let me fly with you, way to town and back tomorrow. Won't that be fine, Captain Bill?' "'Don't know, Trot,' he said. "'Can't figure out how both of you can hold on to the handle of that umbrella.' Trot's face fell. "'Well, I'll hold on to the handle.' said Button Bright, and she can hold on to me. It doesn't pull hard at all. You've no idea how easy it is to fly that way after you get used to it. But Trot ain't used to it, objected the sailor. If she happened to lose her hold and let go, it's goodbye, Trot. I don't like to risk it, for Trot's me chum, and I can't afford to lose her. Can't you tie us together, then? asked the boy. We'll see, we'll see, replied Captain Bill and began to think very deeply. He forgot that he didn't believe the umbrella could fly, and after Button Bright and Trot had gone to bed, the old sailor went out into the shed and worked a while before he, too, turned into his bunk. The Sandman wasn't around, and Captain Bill lay awake for hours, thinking of the strange tale of the magic umbrella before he finally sank into slumber. Then he dreamed about it, and, waking or dreaming, he found the tale still hard to believe.